Welcome to a brand new season of Kiss My Mic, a podcast with a Gaitian flavor. Our theme this month is debunking Asian stereotypes in celebration of AAPI Heritage Month this month of May. And for those of us who followed us on Clubhouse, Debunking Asian Stereotypes is actually the name of the weekly series that I hosted with my guest today and another friend of ours, Hiromi Okuyama, who is also another guest this month. So it's a series where we host conversations and discussions about AAPI topics and causes. So I'm so excited to introduce to you my guest today. He is a fierce leader in the AAPI community. He is the founder of Strong Asian Lead, a community organization that aims to change the narrative of how Asian American storytellers make their way into Hollywood. In addition, he is also a screenwriter, actor, and nonprofit entrepreneur. Folks, please welcome my guest today, Masami Mas Maria. Hey, Mas, welcome to the show. Hey, Mike, thank you so much for having me. It's been a while since I've been on a podcast and even on Clubhouse, but it's really nice to see you, hear from you again, and I'm really stoked to just be on this conversation today. Yes, same here. No, I know it's been a while. So I know that you're a busy guy, and I'm so thankful that you are grazing my show with your presence. So if you're okay, you know, I, I mentioned this in the intro about uh, about you, about strong Asian leads, so maybe I'll start with that. And we're also celebrating API Heritage Month. So, so maybe you start by talking a little bit about the organization. So you founded the organization Strong Asian Lead. Tell the audience why it's important for you to do that. Sure. So I'll, I'll kind of back up a bit. Strong Asian Lead, uh, I kind of, the short of it is we are a nonprofit resource and, resource and community center uh, for Asian entertainment. So we want to be able to give uh, education and places to go, be able to help people like communicate and uh, be, we started Strong Asian Lead as a nonprofit resource and community center for Asians to come into the Hollywood and find a place to go get their education, whether it be in uh, what their careers are doing. So if you're a director, like what, what might be the next step? If you're just coming from uh, out of school, like you don't know what the next step into Hollywood might be. Uh, you don't have a community where to go. We're going to find a place for you. Uh, also just teaching about Asian American cinema history. Uh, we talk about Asian Heritage Month right now, API, um, but we don't really know our cinema history that well either. And I think that's something I've, ed- I've educated myself having to do, but it's not, not, was not hard, not easy <laughs> learning that cinema history and find, and we're not taught this stuff in school. So teaching about that, teaching about our legacy actors, not other leaders, people who built theater companies and led movements. Um, those people are really important to me. Those people, they are my heroes just because I see them, you know, they, they did the arts without, with even further before we even did the arts, um, but we don't really know their names and they really paved the way for us to make things happen. So that's kind of how I really wanted to start doing it uh, and try to teach people and teach myself, uh, but then share that information. So yeah, that's kind of the reason why I did that. Cause I felt, I felt stronger knowing these, these people, um, knowing that they are struggling, they struggled through it even further and they, they're still here and they're still alive. And, um, I watch their films and TV stuff now. I'm like, ah, oh, you're a good actor. <laughs> you're a good writer, stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah. So let me just begin off of that, uh, comment mass. Can you name a few examples of actors or even movies that you really admired, you know, that have really helped you discover your passion for 
cinema and now with the work that you do to help the community. So, you know, I think it's an important thing that you're doing, right? Raising awareness and telling people about it because it may not be just you don't know them, but other people as well. So, yeah, I think it's good to have a conversation about it. Yeah, tons of movies you know a lot i'm japanese american um i'm mixed as well so like i feel like i know a lot a lot of japanese american actors and movies and stuff for the most part so um some of the few ones that i, I that come to top of mind is uh farewell to manzanar 1976 uh go for broke 1951 uh the couple of independent ones uh you know and there's and there's tons of others that came out um in between and you think like look like the karate kid and pat morita right people might know mr miyagi but they don't really know pat morita's name and they might only know him from mr miyagi but he was on things like happy days uh, he was a stand-up comedian um you know he's a whole story and i won't go go into a whole lot but you know he was in the internment camps as well uh and he couldn't walk for 11 years of his life like we don't know those those names and their lives um mako was an amazing actor um always getting mad on stage and just brilliant he's one of the first people who started east west players um Nova mccarthy she was also really amazing uh you know there's a lot of japanese and then there's you know got james hong who's been doing it for years and uh he's like 92 now um he's just about to get his, star, uh, his walk of fame star oh it's just some and you know james shigeta uh james shigeta was also a wonderful actor he was one of those um hollywood movie Japanese like um, heartthrobs back in the day, and we just again we don't really know his name, but uh, he was like after Sasuke Hayakawa. But then you even have someone like um, Jack Su. Oh my god, he he just seems like um, one of those dudes that's like he just you, you know he's got a personality, <laughs> and he's he's one of the, and um, very real looking. Or you know they might people say like real people actors because um, he wasn't like super handsome or anything like that but he had an amazing voice and he just had a personality that was always funny he was always a good character he's got good good um emotional expression and he was like one of the leads on uh follower drum song right and so he was like the um, big guy and yeah he's really funny on um uh there's another show called like something brown um and he's just funny there he's just a funny dude and uh they said he had a wonderful singing voice and they recorded one song and they're just like oh yeah he's like next uh barry manilow kind of guy and you know they never released that song and so it's just um there's a lot of those there's a lot of those people that would just i feel like man if we just watch the what they did and see how they go and like oh yeah we've been all right we've been acting in in movies for decades they're just not showing us that's the problem yeah and you know I am so amazed to hear all your examples because I put you on the spot there, Mass. And, you know, it's a proof that you are a true, this is a proof that you are a true, uh, what do you call it? A cinephile, right? Because you know right off the bat, like who the people you love and you you talk so passionately about them. And and you're right. The reality is not many people know about, about this, you know, actors and actresses their work or even their personal lives. And so I think it's really important that what you're doing is to share them and share the history and continue promoting the work that they've done as well. So one one question, one follow-up question that I have is your work in Strong Asian Lead, and we'll talk about the other project that you're doing right now, which is Asian Film Network, very focused on Hollywood entertainment, you know, movies, TV. So maybe talk a little bit about that aspect. You know, why focus on 
Hollywood entertainment versus other forms, maybe? Ah, great question. Yeah, you know, for me, I mean, I went to school for film and, and digital production. So that's one thing that's like, I just wanted to get into film. I know the film aspects. I love watching movies and TV. And um, I started out in like visual effects, doing lightsaber videos. And um, I did, uh, <laughs> I went from visual effects to editing. So I was like, oh, I got to cut things together. And then I went to cinematography because you have to shoot what you want to cut. <laughs> and then I went from directing to, because you want to be able to direct the cinematographer to do the editing that you see in your head. And then I go to writing and because that's the one thing that's where the stories start. Right. So uh, I that's where I wanted to tell more stories. But the thing was, when I was starting writing out my first like four screenplays, uh, especially the first three, they were not about Asian people, not one Asian character at all. And, you know, be, I grew up so a little more about me. I'm mixed Japanese American, fifth generation, and I grew up in like a white community, fairly white community with my you know, white family. My dad separated us from our Japanese side of the family, so I grew up thinking very like I'm white American. And um, even my father was like, you know, you're whenever nobody ever asks, you're not Asian, you're definitely not Japanese. So after the World War II, being in internment camps, um, the you know we don't call them internment camps, we call them concentration camps. But for you know listeners, let's you know thing but we'll move on from that um we it was illegal to be japanese and then after the war it was like we're not japanese we're american because we are american um ethnically we're japanese but you know america doesn't see us as americans we're japanese <laughs> you're japs um so that's they kind of became this whole uh, societal of japanese community a lot of people just think like we're american we're not doing that so being fifth generation my family's been here for over 100 years i'm very pretty very american um in that sense so um no no connections to japan if, and i don't even have good family that i don't know anybody there and so leading into that it's like i grew up just thinking that way so i wrote characters thinking one not that's what needs to sell but that's all i saw right it's all the movies that i saw so i was like oh i can write that and you know good joseph gordon love it to be in my film <laughs> that kind of stuff um so i love those movies and um so I wrote those things and then it became like, I wanted to write a little more, a little more Tokyo, a little more things. And it was still, when I wrote it, it was so stereotyped. It was just so bad. It was just so like samurai and Godzilla and this it was like, is that all I know of Japan? Bonsai trees and Tai Chi. I'm like, that doesn't even make sense. So like, it doesn't, I was just trying to like help, you know, do some stuff. And I was like, I don't, why don't I know this? Why don't, I see more things. If all I'm, if I'm Japanese, I know nothing of Japan. The rest of America doesn't know anything about Japan because <laughs> all I'm getting is what from the movies. All I knew was what from the movies. And I don't know from Bonsai because people even say Bonsai or the Bonsai trees in Karate Kid 2, um, you know, Godzilla and stuff like that. So that's all I knew. So, and I was, and at that time I was also a, a protest photographer. So I quit writing screenplays and doing protest photography to learn with other communities and act, uh, be an activist. But when I saw um, how these other activists and the communities knew their histories, they knew their people, they knew uh, the leaders of their industry. And like, it's not just Martin Luther King, it's everybody. It's a lot of people. Um, even just like the one person who did the one time, like that was important, but we don't know about it. We're not taught these things. So when I looked at that and, they actually had said, um, and I was like, I'm here. I'm a photographer. I'm just to be un unbiased. I'm not a part of this conversation. They're like, 
you are a part of this conversation. You're a person of color. You're Asian. And so I was like, but, but you know, I don't know anything about being Asian. I don't know anything about being Asian or Asian American. Like what's the difference and what's the difference between Asian and Asian American and Japanese American. I was like, I don't know shit. (laughs) So the first thing I did was like hit the books. I went to the library and like looked at, just opened up any book. It was this one. I just happened to search whatever book and I picked it off the library and I was like, beast is called beast of the fields. And I opened up to random page. I'm like, Oh, the Japanese built California because <laughs> they were the fe- They were the farm workers. And so I was like, Oh, I don't know anything. They didn't teach any, any of this stuff. So when I saw that, I was like, I don't, I want to know all these stories. I might be interested. And I kept digging down in the archives. But I'm like, there's so many books, movies, documentaries. My, my people have been here for over a hundred years. Like, but we don't know anything. So if I'm going to go do this, but no one else is going to go back to school to do this, not teaching it in school. We have to start teaching this stuff through film and television because it's going to be at our fingertips and not just documentaries because not everybody watches documentaries. My dad's not going to go watch a documentary. He doesn't, he's not that kind of dude. So putting something that's very emotionally gripping and cinema, cinema, uh, visually gripping as well. Just like, oh, this is really cool to watch. And and you're learning about a community, the people, the history, the culture, the what happened. That's really important. Yeah. And I think, I mean, you've covered a lot of really great uh, topics there, Mass. You know, you talk about activism, you talk about stereotypes and, and your comment about finding solutions, right? That it has to be holistic. You know, the marketing is an important part of it. And then if it, one aspect of it's not fixed, then it becomes a, a cycle, right? That, you know, it will trigger off any other potential impacts to other elements as well. So it has to be a, a holistic solution. One thing that kind of struck me with what you've said was when you're describing your own experience with how you navigated finding your own identity. Like in the beginning, you didn't know enough about like being Japanese American, or being, being, you know, like the Japanese culture, learning about the Japanese culture. I think in my conversations with some Filipino Americans or other Asian Americans, I feel like that is a sentiment that is shared by other Asian Americans as well. And there's, there's a whole reason for it. There's a whole history behind it as well. But I think it's very inspiring to hear about your journey towards finding that identity. And I guess if you can comment a little bit about what was the biggest reason for you to embark that journey, you know, knowing and tr- wanting to know about about your history, your culture, you know, about Asian Americans and Japanese Americans. Yeah, in you know, I think it was and besides like learning about it and seeing like the Japanese American community was, it was like they did so much. They protested in the camps. Like nobody talks about that they protested. They risked their lives to do that. It's not even just the 442nd, which they also risked their lives and fought for the war, which is amazing. But they also protested and stood up to the government. And then they sued the government and won. I was like, wait. <laughs> so as, a, as, a, as an ethnic community, you sued the government and won? Okay, why do I know about that? That's, that's really important to know. And that should be a part of all American history um, in general, right? So they know that the American did wrong. And President Reagan apologized on behalf of America. So 
if they got their reparations, shouldn't we be t- looking at how they we can do that for the Black American community? Like, it's just a learning experience. So when I learned them, like, I need to learn more. So there's that part we've done. We, if we just we, and we've survived. We've survived and thrived, and we're still a small community. And I've learned about my community, and now I'm more a part of it. But it's still like very small. It's very underfunded and all that stuff, and it's very, very, very small. But I think the thing that really got me to really put my fire under my my butt is um, my grandmother's still alive. Right, my grandmother's still here. My uncle, my uh, grandfather. I never met my grandfather, um, so I'm mixed. It's just my it's just my dead father's side. My grandmother's still alive, and um, for many years, because of how my dad saw his Japanese side and like treated his like without like just generally with like not respect of it, he didn't treat his mother very well. And I, as a child, I didn't I kind of absorbed that and didn't really treat her very well. I wasn't the greatest kid, but then when I kind of realized that, I was like, oh, why did I do what my father did? I don't have to be that. Right. It's like the intergenerational trauma that I did the same thing. Like, I don't, I want to break that. I don't have to do that. My grandmother was always nice. She was always great. So I was like, the first thing I did was like, give her a call. I gave her a call and it was just like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was that kid. And I really don't want to do that. And I was in New York at the time. I was like, I'm, I was like, I want to come home. <laughs> I want to come home and spend more time. And she lived, she lived down the street from us and she took care of us a lot of times as a and babysitter and stuff. So. I really just wanted to take that, you know, talk to her more often than as I could. And now I, I talk to her every week with a phone call. I'm going to see her this weekend. I, you know, it's just during the pandemic, like she was living down the streets. So I'd always just walk on over and just stay there for like five, 10 hours or whatever. Just be there all day and just like, and take a nap. We'd go have lunch or just talk. And, and she remembers about camp. She remembers, remembers things. And she just always has this positive attitude, even though her, um, her husband died because, um, uh, not malpractice, but just like misdiagnosis. And her, uh, one of her sons was murdered by a cop when he was 19 in 1988. And her other son got hit by a truck. Like it, it, the whole, whole family's fucked. If I might be honest, our family's traumatized. Um, and it just keep being passed down. I was like, I don't want to be that. And you know, my sisters aren't going to listen to this, so it doesn't matter, but they don't think, you know, just my middle child, she doesn't think she's a Japanese. I'm not Japanese. German. American. Won't admit it. Like, you can't take that away from you. So, but I thought that too, right? I, I had a lot of internalized racism. I was like, I don't want to be with the Asians. There are, I, I had, my roommates were uh, in college were Asian. They were either, I didn't really like them. One of, one of them was just like an asshole. Yeah. A couple of the other guys, they're all like, for gamers, like 14 hours a day, no social skills. I was like, I'm not these people. And that was my only communication. Uh, it was either that or TV, right? So I didn't have other Asian friends who were just like hanging out with and chilling with, who rep- who looked like me, who felt like me, who made me part of the community. And so, but that was also my fault. So when I wanted to like come, um, when I started learning and stuff, I'm like, why did I have all these stereotypes in my own head? I'm Asian too. And I'm not like that. So other people have to not be like that. So that's kind of where I came in and just be like, I wanted to, you know, really just take on that identity and then champion, like show other people, like we're not what you think we are all the time. You know, one thing you talked about earlier was stereotypes. So, and the, the theme for this month is actually debunking Asian stereotypes. And we talked so much about it last year on Clubhouse as well. I guess for some of the listeners, who are interested in the topic, 
you know, what are your thoughts on the need to debunk Asian stereotypes? And are there any personal stories that you've experienced in terms of stereotypes? You know, what are those stereotypes that we need to debunk? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's tons of them, right? Uh, mostly all just coming from media, TV, newspaper, any type of thing, visual or telling of a story anyway. It's like just being mostly being told by white people. <laughs> and that's been the problem. I tried to get this question, I, you know, get thought to this question a little more because I didn't want to go on the, the basic stereotypes of, you know, we're quiet or we're insular or separated and things. I think the thing, I think, because I feel like that's the white people perspective, like here are the stereotypes about we are. I think what's even a little more conversational um, to go into more nuance is like, what are the stereotypes we think about each other? Right. And so Asians think about other Asians in this way, or even the way we kind of hold ourselves to different, different ways and standards. So, you know, even people thinking like I'm, I'm from Japan or um, they might speak Japanese or they assume this way. And, and I get, I don't get that very much from often, but you know, if people ask, you know, your parents from Japan, like, no. Right. Uh, but also being just like, I think the, the misconception of like, what we just don't know, right? So I think there's there's the stereotypes, the the wrong information, the misinformation, but we don't actually all know the real information either, right? We just don't we don't have that education. So I think there's this 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 big gap where the immigrants and the immigrants and parents who come in um, come in like, okay, we're going to be American. Sometimes we'll keep the culture. Sometimes people push it on their children. Maybe the children just don't want to do it or it's not American. It's like, I, mom, stop doing that or stop packing my lunchbox or whatever. Like I never had that lunchbox moment. So there's always like, I, I'm mixed. So I didn't have those same experiences you did. Um, you know, my father was very American. Like we barely ever had sushi. I didn't have, I had, I, I remember bringing Taco Bell to a pho restaurant when I was like 14. I was like, no, <laughs> don't. That, I, that's how that's how like not anti-asian i was but i'm just like no nah, it wasn't my taste palette but taste buds change every seven years so after that year i was like that fuzz awesome um so there's always that like i never grew up on a lot of asian food i grew up on peanut butter and jelly and hamburgers and wanting in and out and mcdonald's for my birthday lunch it, you know my mom would bring that for me she would um you know i think it's such like a mixed stereotype like people don't understand they just they don't have misconceptions of mixed families they just don't know many mixed families my mother um, always showed me a lot of love. They all, she always believes in my work. They, my both my parents, my, even my dad doesn't even say it. He just agrees with my mother. But I, they always believed in my stuff and believed in what I was doing. So I never had that. You're never going to be good enough. Yeah, no, I like that. You know, I think the the reality is there's just a lot to unpack, right? Because it's not just one issue. It's not just stereotypes, but it's stereotypes combined with our own internal struggles. You know, you mentioned earlier about our internal, you know, kind of racism within ourselves and the pressure as well from the community in and and part of it is stereotype, but it's also related to the model minority myth and the pressure that we put ourselves in, you know, our parents have have, you know, set for us. So I think it's all connected and it's all different layers, many different layers that are connected. So I think that's a really good insight that you've shared in terms of stereotypes. In the end, it's about the when we generalize something about a, a group of people, and there's a danger in doing that, 
right? Because that's when it becomes stereotypical when we just generalize and we don't really know what's happening. And and I think you know it's just a good good piece of conversation to be open to to to, to really knowing and learning and you know what you're doing with learning about the history and learning about the community and reaching out in the work that you do. So in terms of getting things moving, let's talk about the film industry again. And you have a part of the Strong Asian Lead. And also beyond that, you've started another project, Asian Film Network. So tell us about what Asian Film Network is and what is its mission and how can people know about it or be part of it as well? Yeah. So I think this is, I'm really excited for it because, so a half step back, Strong Asian Lead is great for, cause I love sending education. I loved, I, I used to love doing the clubhouse stuff. I'll get back to it at some point. The podcast was always really great too. I did enjoy talking to my guests even even just some making some of the Canva graphics and sharing that information. We had a nice team uh, doing that before. The kind of the issue was that um, we don't have enough people or money. <laughs> so I, you know, I, I was not paid for any of that, doing any of it. Um, and I haven't really gotten a job <laughs> since the, before the pandemic. Um, so for me and our team, we've had volunteers, but they get busy too. And they have their own lives and they can't just volunteer all the time. And uh, I really admire other groups um, who have volunteers who s- stick together, but we just couldn't sustain that. And it all ended up kind of relying on me to do everything. And um, so for me to help a lot of people, like the best thing is I can do social media, I can teach education. Maybe 50 people will like it. Maybe 100 likes today. But then I feel bad. And then I've not wasted time, but I've also used a lot of my energy and time going to an Instagram post or editing a podcast or doing all that. So it's really... um, very difficult and very um, unsustainable as a one person thing to do just about everything. Like even, even, even with my modest, my modesty and everything, I know I'm smart. <laughs> so I know the information is good and useful, but I can't get it to the public and make it useful for them very easily and sustainable. I get burned out and then I don't know what I'm doing and I'm going to not be able to do the things and I have to go get a job somewhere else within, which makes me even feel worse because then I'm doing a job and at some, you know, restaurant than um here i'm not i love restaurants and i would love to go work at a ramen shop or sometime but so what i love about asian film network is that um the quick pitch is is an online public directory for asian americans in entertainment simple right we don't know where we're at we can't search for ourselves we can't look for community we're stuck in facebook groups (laughs) um maybe some slack channels that's about it (laughs) It's really about it. Um, I know there are some Excel sheets and Google Docs flying around, um, but they're private and you have to know somebody who has it and you have to be hopeful and thankful if they share it with you. But even then they're not full, right? They don't have everybody. They might have a good list, but it's not a great list. It's not the list. It's just a list. Absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely happy to support and yeah, check out asianfilmnetwork.com. So I guess, Mas, for my other questions, you talk a lot about the resource for actors and crew and all that, right? But let's talk about you. Let's talk about your personal, beyond, you know, your projects for the community. You know, so I actually saw you on a Netflix show 
<laughs> Jonas Brothers, check it out. Mass is there. I was just surprised because we, di- we didn't talk about it. I was just watching it one day and I was like, hey, I know that dude. You know, he's my friend. So tell us about, because, you know, in the intro, I talked about you as a screenwriter and as an actor. So so maybe talk about kind of what your journey and maybe your aspiration as well. Like, do you have any dream projects or kind of, you know, let's manifest like, what would that be? What would that look like, Mass? Oh, that's that's so nice. Um, yeah, I I hate talking about myself. Uh, so um, as a screenwriter, been a long journey. Uh, so I actually started back doing in high school uh, doing visual effects. So uh, lightsaber videos, <laughs> always really fun. Rotoscoping for all those um, visual effects artists out there every day, and that was that was fun. You know, I did it. It looks like a lightsaber. I'm like, cool. That looks fun. You know what? That got that's kind of what got me into movies. Um, so if I get if I had a little inspiration, like kind of get started, was um, actually two people, Ryan Weaver, and because uh, he did a lot of lightsaber videos. And I just love Star Wars, and he just did the best lightsaber choreography. Um, and Freddie Wong, Freddie Wong was the YouTuber just doing visual effects about video games and stuff. I'm like, you know what? That looks fun, and he's doing it. I could do that. And he would do tutorials on Rocket Jump, uh, Rocket Jump School, right? And I'm like, cool. And my graphic design teacher, Mr. Doms, um, I, I took graphic design and it was just, uh, I took one and then next year I took the second graphic design two. Um, but I would, uh, I, I was the teacher's assistant for graphic design one. So I had graphic design for two periods and then I would go during lunch. And then if we weren't doing anything in history class, I would go <laughs> during history class. Um, cause it was really boring at the time, but so I would I would spend a lot of my time in graphic design. I actually I lost a lot of friends that year, so I just kind of like spent time in doing that. And I was like, I learned a lot. And he was like, You already learned everything I'm going to teach you. So take one of those DVDs and go learn something else. And I took After Effects, which was the visual effects program. Um, that was cool. I was like, oh, Okay, video, Photoshop for film. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, so I did that. Um, and then I worked my way backwards. So it was like, okay, if I want it, if I need to get the footage that I'm, I'll get to screenwriting. You'll see. Um, if I get the footage, if I need the footage for the visual effects, I need to shoot it. Well, that's the cinematographer. If I, and, and actually I came back from editing background even before that, it was actually doing, um, if anybody knows the quack videos, which was like SAT words, and they would do these stupid videos to help you remember how to do it and little jingles and stuff like that. So I did one for my, my homework assignment. And there's like, can I do a video for it? Can I, can I make one of those videos? I'm like, sure. <laughs> and so I did like two or three of those with my friends and we just shoot it and make stupid stuff and got me to remember the words. So, um, so I would shoot up that. So I knew how to edit. Uh, like if I wanted to force, force grab a lightsaber, I just reverse throw it and reverse it. Right. So it was stuff like that. I would just learn on, on the go. Um, and so, but if I knew, if I knew I wanted to shoot it, who tells the, cinematographer how to shoot it or what to shoot what's the director but who gives the director the story it's a screenwriter like that's where the stories come from even if you come as a director who's the storyteller they still have to write the script (laughs) so i learned like that's where the stories come from so i long story short i stopped doing all the other things i did short films in in college I did short films when I did. I went to New York one year. I was like, "Okay, I'm going to do one short film every month for this year." I did 19 short films that year. Um, 
little stuff, music videos, stuff that I just did myself, didn't have a crew, just did it. Learned how to edit. I learned a lens. I learned audio. I learned color correction, anything. I just try things and I learned a lot. Yeah. It's pretty smart. I mean, basically really what you're doing, you're, you're creating your own path. I mean, you you have actually dropped a lot of nuggets of wisdom there in terms of building your brand and you know kind of knowing yourself you know knowing your story no but it's good because that's kind of what we're talking about right you know we're talking about your career you talked a lot about the the screenwriting journey that you have and you know the the milestones that you've accomplished and the things that you're working on now and the things that you're working on for yourself to to build that brand and to go get to the next step in terms of your your vision and your 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 story right you know making it happen so i think as we get to the end of the discussion that we had you know by the way i do want to thank you for sharing all this wisdom your your story your you know b- being vulnerable you know about about life experiences you know uh, you know there's just so much that we've we've learned from 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 you and about about you mas and about your your knowledge you know what you've shared I'm an open book. I want everybody to learn from what I've learned and made mistakes from. So <laughs> uh, thanks for having me, you know? Yeah. And that's so valuable. And that's so valuable because I've, you know, I'm, I'm an aspiring writer myself and just hearing your story and, you know, it, it, you're helping me. And I'm sure that uh, there's a lot of people out there who could also benefit from what you're sharing. So the one last question that I have actually as we close out is, is really more about the advice that you would give your younger self and also to the younger people out there, especially those within our Asian community who are trying to make a path here in entertainment? Yeah, that's a big question, but I think I don't have an easy answer because uh, I feel like I'm still struggling with this for myself. But I think the thing that um, actually hurts me the most is getting in my, getting in my own way, right? It's, um, it's telling myself that I'm not good enough. It's telling myself that uh, nobody cares. Telling myself, it's uh, part of it. It's like telling myself, I don't have enough money or whatever. It, it could be a lot of things. They don't want me here. Oh, God, I've, I was invited to, it uh, wasn't an industry thing necessarily, but I was at, I was at Intercrew and um, the bar here in K Town. Some dudes, I just met some people at, the, at, the, at a meetup and they're like, hey, come back on Friday at seven o'clock. We're just, we're just all gathering here. Just come back. I didn't. Should have. Some cool dudes there. Been that really nice, cute girl there, and I was like, I just didn't. I feel like they don't really want me there. They're just saying that. I tell myself negative things all the time. Not good enough in this industry, or the, good, the industries. I, the industry is broken, but they don't want me there. They're not getting hired, and I just keep playing down myself. Like I made a mistake this week. I didn't go to a concert that I really should have gone to, and I just didn't. And I just I'm like, why did I do that? I regret that, and I just. Didn't I didn't give myself love to go um, enjoy myself, to have a good time, to go meet other friends and do whatever, and 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 it's like I can guess myself I'm like I'm just not there. So I think the thing is to stop. And I heard this this week too. Someone told me like I'm nobody. I'm like don't don't do that. You're telling yourself you're nobody, and then you tell someone else you're nobody. Then they think you're nobody. Stop telling yourself you're nobody first. Yeah. And you know what? We're all human beings, right? I mean, we're not like perfect creatures, right? So 
we make mistakes. There are things that we may not have at this point, whether it's skill or whatever. So it's okay to feel that way. And I think even though we feel that way sometimes, we have belief in ourselves. You know, for me, because I, I struggle with that too, Mas, in my work, kind of feeling that way sometimes, kind of the exact phrase that you said was, you know, they don't want me. I mean, I think that's so relatable for me that I, I see myself in those situations. And sometimes I, I get to a point of asking those questions as well or thinking about those things about myself. But I think the awareness that you being aware of it and, you know, it's it's a process of learning and then learning, right? So it's a process of kind of getting there. So I think let's all try to get there so that someday, Mas Maria, your script is a, is a big hit. You know, you have all these projects. You know, we're helping the Asian community. So so that's what we're trying to focus on. You know, we'll try to get to. So my friend, yeah, any final words or thoughts? Yeah, one final thought that I think uh, needs to be said uh, more often and just um, we need to start having a better community about it. We need to really think and uplift each other in these spaces. We already get enough that Hollywood doesn't really take us seriously that we need to stop thinking the crab's in the barrel, right? It's like only one can make it. If you start thinking in that way, then we're holding each other back. You might be trying for yourself, but you know, honestly, the biggest uh, biggest help that I've kind of learned is like when you help other people, they will also help you and you will work together to do it. But if you only save it for yourself, you might not get it either. And they're definitely not going to get it. And so it doesn't help anybody. So really start helping each other and, and, and giving grace for the things that, um, you know, don't just write someone off so well. I think I've only not responded to like two emails and because we did talk a couple of times and then I was just like, I can't really do anything about this. So I have to stop. That's pretty much it. I respond to most of my emails. I encourage everybody to reach out to me. I will do my best to reach out to all emails, but I usually do. Um, cause I want to help people and, and, I want to help as many people as I can. That's why I built the, the networks. So then we can help. I can, I can make the space for other people to help each other in that space too. Cause I can't, I won't eventually, I won't be able to help everybody. Um, but I also want to share the information that I know and, and cause it doesn't help me to keep it to myself. And I don't want anybody else to start keeping their things to themselves either. So keep working together, partner, share. Doesn't always have to be about money. Most of the time, it's not about money. There is no money. Um, but when there is money, then share that too. You know, I've done my best to pay my people, even if I'm like, I shouldn't have paid them for that thing because they didn't do the work. <laughs> um, but like, you know, I did my best and I'm like, I still got to pay. But for me, it's like, for me, I don't pay myself first. I pay other people first. I think that's a huge thing. It's not the healthiest thing. I will say that. But, you know, I think that's uh, that's what was right for me. Right. It was, it was like other people are doing work for me or strong Asian lead. And uh, we have to open money like here, you're struggling. We're all struggling at the very least, you know, here's something. So I just want people to just start working together. And like, I really think, you know, Mike for inviting me to this podcast and giving me time to speak. I don't actually don't get invited to many podcasts um, or anything. So for having my opportunity to, to talk and share is, is really, really nice. So thank you. Absolutely. And it's my pleasure as well. Thank you so much, Mas, for sharing all your thoughts and feedback and stories for being with us on the show today. I'm here to support you, my friend. So I guess with that, we'll end the podcast and we'd like to thank everybody for listening in. Make sure to check out AsianFilmNetwork.com and StrongAsianLead.com. Thanks again, Mas Maria, for being
joining on the show today. 